This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Uh, and welcome to everyone who is uh, who is joining us online as well. Um, so I thought I, I would just give a, a brief talk this morning. Um, in our uh, chanting today, we uh, we chanted the Heart Sutra, uh, which is really one of uh, one of my favorite of the sutras, uh, and it's traditionally chanted at every Zen temple uh, every morning because it's supposed to contain within it all the truths, the real essence uh, of our practice, of our understanding. Uh, And sort of tucked away in the in the Heart Sutra is uh, the Four Noble Truths. That life is suffering. That suffering has a cause. That can be stopped. And that there is a path to overcoming suffering. And for many people, this, uh, these Four Noble Truths are one of the first things they learn uh, in getting interested in Buddhism. It's, uh, it's the core of the very first lecture that Buddha gave after his awakening experience 2,500 years ago. And particularly this first truth that life is suffering Can sound very negative, very uh, almost depressing, and especially being up here, such a beautiful environment. The sun is out. We can hear birds, other creatures out there. It doesn't always feel like life is suffering. So I think it's important to remember that Buddha didn't mean that life is only suffering. But more that all life is touched with suffering. Everyone suffers. It's just a part of a part of life. And that realization can be liberating. There's no special conspiracy against us when we suffer. Just the ordinary sequence of birth, death, and our brief life in between just always involves a certain amount of suffering. And once we understand that, once we understand that everyone suffers, 
that we're not unique in our suffering. It's possible to sort of let go of it. In a much later sutra, Buddha tells the parable of someone who's shot by an arrow. And suffering is a little like that. It can strike us suddenly, uh, bring us pain, sorrow. But then for many of us, there's sort of this second arrow, which is that it feels unfair, it feels not right that we should have to suffer. Uh, and so in addition to all that suffering of the first arrow, we have this additional suffering of the second arrow, suffering sort of about the suffering. And in Buddha's parable, we can't avoid that first arrow that strikes all of us at some point in our life but we can avoid those second arrows. Because there is no sort of fairness or unfairness. And the suffering is not exactly happening to us. It's just kind of happening. He talks about three kinds of suffering. There's the suffering of not getting what we want, the suffering of getting what we don't want, and the suffering of losing what we have. In a sense, all three of those are just ways of expressing, just being sort of unsatisfied with the way the universe has worked out. Again, with that feeling of unfairness. And while that original suffering can't be avoided, it can sort of be overcome. We can learn to accept it. We don't go looking for pain or unpleasantness for that first arrow. But when it comes, it comes. We try not to get mad about it. Try not to get angry, frustrated, resentful. We don't look for revenge. But of course, if we do start to feel those things, we try not to get mad about that either. There's no need to spiral. We just notice these feelings, whether pleasant or unpleasant. Just like we notice the thoughts we have in meditation. I often tell students just learning to sit that when they find themselves distracted, just to notice that they're distracted, there's no need to beat yourself up just notice the thoughts that have come. Notice them without hanging on to them. 
and just let those thoughts, those distractions be a reminder to bring your attention back to the present. And suffering can be the same. It can just be a reminder to pay attention to what's happening in this moment. You don't have to try to enjoy the pain. But we don't run away from it either. Our practice is simply to face the present moment, whatever it brings. When we think about suffering, our thoughts often turn to our bodies. Because often that's that's where we locate our suffering. We have some physical sensation of it. Even, you know, the suffering of loss or something which is not exactly a physical pain, or at least not at first, it often manifests itself physically. We feel the suffering in our body. And meditation too, we often think of as a mental activity, something we do with our minds, but it's also a physical activity, something we do with our bodies. And through suffering, I think we often find ourselves kind of at odds with our bodies. They get hurt, sick. Maybe we feel too fat, too thin. Our bodies can feel like the enemy. We expect a lot of our bodies. Really everything we do in this life, we do with our bodies. Our bodies are what brought us here today. Our bodies are what allow me to speak, you to listen, all of us to sit. And so though we think of our bodies as the cause of our suffering, They're also the key to our liberation from suffering. We can't walk the path to overcome suffering without our bodies. As most of you know, Buddha had a period of sort of 
hating his body, fighting his body. He grew up in India as this pampered prince, enjoying every luxury. He got so disenchanted with that life that he decided to try the life of a wandering ascetic and tried all sorts of means of trying to overcome suffering by really overcoming his own physical form. He would do things like fast for days, even weeks at a time. Even holding his breath as long as he possibly could. They say at one point he held his breath so long, even the gods thought he had, he had passed away. But in the end, he realized that there's no There's no overcoming the body by sort of beating it up. That we need our bodies in order to practice. And so we have to find this middle way. Of not hating our bodies, not exactly pampering our bodies, but taking care of them, appreciating them. whether we're feeling suffering in this moment or not. There's no meditation, there's no practice without a body. Ehe Dogen, the founder of our school of Soto Zen wrote, the living body of this one day is a living body to revere. Because really meditation is experiencing our body, our whole body in every moment. And so awakening, liberation, it's not a liberation from our bodies. It's a liberation in our bodies. It's not so much a liberation from suffering as a liberation with suffering. We're not trapped inside our bodies because there's no separation. If you look inside, you know, there's no one there. Take a moment to just be in your body, to just sit wherever you are, whether you're here in the Zendo, whether you're at home. Just sit and be fully present.
Maybe you feel some suffering in this moment. Perhaps your body is sore for the morning of sitting. Perhaps you have some other pain in your life. Or perhaps you don't in this moment. Whatever you're feeling, take a moment just to feel that. And remember that while Buddha taught that life is suffering, he also taught that there is an end to suffering. And that we can find that end through exactly the practice we've been doing here together. By sitting still, by paying attention, and ultimately by waking up. We have a bit of time, I think, before before lunch. Uh, and so I'd be happy to take questions or if anyone has anything they'd like to share. Uh, and that, that includes people online. Just uh, let me know if you'd like to ask or say something. You might have to check that thing that they can unmute themselves. Maybe you can do that. <laughs> Yes. We, we started off with the Four Noble Truths, uh, with the first truth being life is suffering. Um, is that, um, so what that made me think is, does that, does suffering encompass all of life or is it some of life? Will be, is life has suffering? Is that closer or like this something? Mm. <clears throat> Sorry about hearing. Could you repeat what you said? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so the question was we started with the first noble truth that life is suffering. But does that really mean sort of life has suffering, life includes suffering? Uh, or are we always suffering? Is that, is that a good? You know, one of the, the basic premises of Buddhist teaching is to pay attention to our own experience. Uh, to test any doctrine or any teaching. Uh, against how we actually experience the world. And at least for myself, you know, I don't experience myself as always suffering. Um, there are moments of joy, there are moments of bliss. Uh, and there are sort of neutral moments. Uh, 
And so I don't think it can mean that we're always suffering because at least as far as I can tell that that just doesn't seem true. And if you think about the three kinds of suffering that Buddha talked about, uh, not getting what we want, getting what we don't want and losing what we have, you know, that third one, that sense of loss, that sort of implies that there's moments where we are happy because we have something and then we become unhappy when we lose it. Uh, so it implies that there must be some moments where, where we're feeling good. Uh, so I think of it more, well, and then you look at Buddha's own life that he grew up with this pampering and I think by the traditional accounts was pretty happy. Uh, it's just that the happiness didn't last. That his life, like every life, was eventually touched by suffering. And so that's how I think of it, uh, that suffering touches us all. The basic sort of facts of uh, sickness, old age, death, you know, they come to all of us. And so not that we have no, no moments of joy, which I think, because I think we certainly do, but that it's not possible to live a life that's only joy. It's not possible to live a life that's untouched by suffering. All of us will have those moments where life is suffering. Yes, Doug. Hey, yeah. Uh, you mentioned that um, <clears throat> the three causes of suffering are getting what we don't want, not getting what we want, and losing what we have. One of the components of each of those is this. And you said, when we look within, there's nothing there. However, there's a lot here. There's <laughs> like 100 kilos of mass and a lot of momentum and intentions and habits and everything else there is something there so i wasn't quite sure how to leap from suffering to lot no suffering when no one is here substantially even though it's when you dig deep, it's not so long. Okay. I want to rephrase your question, but it's a hard question to rephrase. Uh, but uh, I think you're asking, um, you know, I said that if we look inside, there's nothing there, but of course there's something here. Uh, and if you look at the three causes of suffering, not getting what we want, getting what we don't want, losing what we have, they all seem to involve that, that self, that, that individual. And so we think it's certainly true that at some basic level, 
you know, our bodies exist. That, that was, uh, our bodies are not some illusion or something to be transcended. Uh, you know, sometimes, something I sometimes say is, you know, if you, if you throw a ball at someone's head, like it doesn't just pass through, it, it bounces off because there's something there, there's something real. Uh, and so when Buddhists talk about no self, they don't mean that the world is just an illusion, like we're all living in the matrix or something. The physical world exists and it's real. You know, my hand is real just like this podium is real. What I think we mean when we talk about no self is not that we don't exist, but that at some level we're empty. That there isn't some, there isn't some like little Dan inside this body looking out uh, and experiencing all these things through the body. There's just the body. There's nothing, there's nothing else in it. You, you start opening it up and looking, you just see more body. You don't see some core unchanging thing that represents you or me. And then if you do the opposite, you start looking sort of, you know, get a microscope and look right at the edges. You can't really find the edge either. You just find all these little particles interacting with each other. And so on the one hand, there's kind of nothing inside. And on the other hand, there's no clear separation between that body and everything else. And so while it exists, it doesn't exist as this sort of permanent, unchanging, separate thing. It exists as just part of this universe. Again, the same way this podium exists. But it's not like if I start chipping away at this podium, I find the real podium inside. There's just, it's just made of stuff. Uh, there's nothing magic in it that makes it a podium. And so I think you're absolutely right that at some level, all those three kinds of suffering, those come from where they have as a component this fixation on some special self that all these things are kind of happening to. Uh, not getting what we want sort of implies that there's a, there's a self that can be fulfilled by acquiring things, losing what we have the same. Getting what we don't want implies there's some self that if it just could get rid of a few things, then it would be truly happy. And so they all are rooted in that fixation. And the the cure, if you will, for all of them is 
is the same, which is it's just our practice. Just to pause, be still, pay attention, and just try to see the world as it actually is. See that we exist, but we don't exist separate from everything else. That we exist, but without some unchanging essence. That we come and go just like everything around us. We don't stand apart from the universe. The universe is not like a show we're watching or a, or a conspiracy against us. It is us. And it includes suffering, but that suffering doesn't have to define us. We can notice that suffering the same way we notice everything else. And that suffering isn't permanent and unchanging either. It's subject to the same comings and goings as everything else. Uh, I see a couple hands online. Uh, ben, you were the first one I noticed. to figure out how to let you unmute yourself. Sure. Do you want to try, Ben, to ask your question? Thank you for this excellent talk. Um, I wanted to know if there was a way of relieving suffering without causing suffering. Is there a way of relieving suffering without causing suffering? I don't know. I think uh, it's very hard to avoid causing suffering. On the earth, we uh, can find ourselves stepping on a insect or something like that. Uh, I'm told, you know, some Orthodox Jains will wear masks all the time to ensure they're not inhaling small bugs and drink through a straw for this with a filter for the same reason. But it's very, very hard to completely avoid causing any suffering. And probably not possible. But the hope is that by paying attention to what we're doing, we at least cause less suffering 
uh, I sometimes tell this story about, you know, walking around my neighborhood after it rains when all the snails come out. And if you don't pay attention, it's just, I mean, it's really easy to step on a snail because uh, they're all over the place. Uh, and it's a horrible, horrible feeling because you, you kill the snail. But if you do pay attention, at least I find, it's actually quite hard to step on the snail because you know what's going to happen if you do. And so similarly, if we try to be mindful of our actions, to pay attention to the effects we have on others, it becomes very natural to to try to avoid causing suffering because it's, we ourselves suffer when we cause others to suffer. And I think we all naturally try to avoid it. So I don't know that we can be completely successful, but, uh, but our practice is to try. And our hope is that through diligent trying, we at least cause less suffering than we would by just sort of blundering carelessly through the world. Thank you for that question. Thank you. We had a, thank you. There's another question online from uh, Chris. Hello, thank you for your talk. I enjoyed it. Um, I think a lot of times people that don't know a lot about Buddhism think that we're kind of a lot of gloomy guesses because we talk about suffering all the time. <laughs> and um, I can see how they might get that impression. Um, but uh, one thing that I really liked that you said was that Our practice, I, I'm sorry if I didn't get this quite right. Our practice isn't for liberation from suffering, but liberation with suffering. I think that's one of the key things that I view about our practice. And uh, I think I think that um, I don't know how much we can do about that. Um, I think we can, you know, I guess I'm curious what you think about acceptance as, re, as a form of reducing suffering. And, uh, and also I think that our, that second arrow that you spoke about is certainly something that we can do to reduce the suffering. But um, acceptance and also how we identify, it seems like to me that the, the narrower our focus in terms of our identity, the greater our suffering and the more connected it is, the, the broader it is. We don't think in terms of what's good for us or bad for us or getting what we want. It's more of a uh, what's good for the broader picture and if we 
just change that focus, we reduce some of that suffering. Thank you. Uh, so uh, the question was, uh, first, how much is acceptance part of uh, ending suffering? Uh, and then how does broadening our sort of sense of self, our identity, help with relieving suffering? Uh, and so I, I do think about acceptance as part of this, that um, you know, in a sense, when we're when we're sitting in meditation, just paying attention to whatever is happening in that moment, that is a sort of form of acceptance. We're just letting the experience kind of wash over us. Uh, and trying to do it without judgment, not feeling, you know, I, I wish I could sit more still, or I wish I didn't have these distractions, or I wish my breathing was more steady, but just noticing exactly what's happening in that moment, noticing the thoughts that arise, noticing each breath we take, And accepting each moment in the sense of not evaluating it, not uh, critiquing it. Just going from that moment to the next moment. And I also think you're right that uh, as we start to let go of this narrow sense of self, uh, And naturally some of the some of the suffering we might otherwise experience just sort of sort of drifts away uh, as you say when we're less focused on what do we have versus sort of what everyone has then in some sense there's just less to less to suffer about, uh, less of that wanting more. And so as we start to understand the emptiness and interconnectedness of ourselves, I do think some of these sources of suffering do kind of just naturally reduce. There's just less striving, less acquiring, and more, as you say, acceptance. We have time for a little more. John? Uh, just off that last question, uh, what percentage of suffering would you say is like average or some some sort of a target should we go to? Should we go to zero percent <laughs> or should we just accept, kind of get rid of suffering until we're at maybe what we feel is 10% or something? Uh, so the question was, uh, 
sort of what should be our, our target amount of suffering? How much are we, should we be trying to reduce suffering all the way to like 0% or is there some level like 10% that would be okay? And I don't know that I can give you a very satisfying answer because I think my answer would be that that having a target like that, you know, is, is part of what causes us to suffer. That this feeling that that our suffering is too much, uh, that you know, if we could get it down to a more manageable level, then everything would be fine. That is sort of that second era. That's not just experiencing the suffering, but evaluating it, comparing it to some ideal. Uh, so, you know, my sense is that as we were just talking about that through practice, through kind of the small realizations of everyday practice, the suffering, our suffering is kind of naturally dampened, reduced. I think if we start getting sort of attached to an ideal Uh, that could really get in our way. You know, of course, there are, there are people who, with chronic pain, other issues that are really experiencing tremendous physical suffering. Uh, my younger daughter is living at home right now and has been having some issues, uh, physical issues. And so it's not, I don't tell her like, don't take the medication, just, you know, just deal with the suffering or accept the suffering. I think it's fine. You know, when I have a headache, I might take some Tylenol or something. Uh, I think it's okay to take steps that will relieve our suffering in that moment. That's part of sort of taking care of our bodies, allowing our bodies to support us in our practice. But I think holding on to some ideal of just the right amount of suffering uh, probably going to lead us astray. That instead we, we look at each moment, we see what's happening. Uh, and then we see the next moment and we try to respond to each moment as directly uh, and skillfully as we can. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jokoji, please visit us on the web at jokoji.org.